Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. Hey, what's up? This is Tom Segura, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Hey, this is Brendan Walsh, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on Tales from the Hard Side. These are tales from the hard side, painted so vivid. Kicking real life stories, not woven or knitted. Izzy Rock brings that rawness to all who listen. Dropping heavy knowledge, knowledge, and sharing some wisdom. Going down that rough road only makes you tougher. It's a beautiful struggle, sometimes we suffer. Let the people know you aren't in this alone. This talk is deep, it cuts down to the bone. No fakeness here, this as real as it gets. Hazardous on the mic, kick it live and direct. Spread that vibe everywhere, all across the globe. The idea's real simple, there's no secret code. Reach out to the people, spread that positive energy. Cause we're all looking for a little bit of serenity. Whatever little part of this planet you live in. These tales from the hard side are now transmitting. Transmitting. Welcome to episode 184. Guys, this is this is Drew Sample on the other end for for I'm recording Tells from the Hard Side right now. And Drew is yeah. recording the sample hour. That's right, I am. Yes, for my audience, this is the man, the myth, the legend, the man that actually is a big reason why a bunch of people started their podcast. Many have fallen off, but many have stayed with it. And uh, this man is the reason why there is a sample hour, because somebody was a, a giant pussy and was afraid to do it unless he had some accountability. I'm not going to say who is, but his name sounds a lot like Drew Sample. <laughs> and uh, this man here took me under his wing, was more than helpful, was was listening and uh, took the time to give me some positive feedback and um, some constructive criticism. Um, many of you may know him as the Izzy Rock. He's the host of Tales from the Hard Side, the Gem City podcast, and well, a co-host on the Gem City podcast. Well, you do your own podcast on there. Well, we'll, t- we'll talk about it here in a little bit. I'll, I'll tell you what's been going on. Okay. And then also, um, he is the co-host of uh, um, On the Block podcast, which these assholes tried to steal the name of but whatever um you can follow him at izzy rock at the izzy rock on twitter and it's also the izzy rock.com um you still use your website man what's going on with that i do dude but uh, i uh it's you know promotion and adding things like that like i have so much I know, to do man. with uh, my job and family yeah. and that seems to be the last thing that I want to sit down and I want to move things over. I mean, doing three podcasts as it is where you're editing yeah. and I, I'm heavily involved in the Gym City podcast right now. We've been doing some on location podcast and I'm the one that edits those and puts those together. So it's so much time. It's it's a lot of time and effort. And, you know, I do storyteller podcast for the Gym City podcast, which is I've brought 32 artists and musicians and bands on to kind of tell their story and then they talk about three of the songs that they have and all that's edited together i'm not an actual interview person on that the bands follow an outline and because they already know each other they really bounce things off of each other instead of me asking them questions they read the 
the questions and then I edited it all together and dude, it takes so much time and effort and it would piss me off when I would get a, like a no show. I would get a band that was a no show and I'm, I'm a 42 year old dude that if I no showed at my work, I would have a lot of trouble. So I made a rule that if you no call no show on me, you get no more podcasts. I don't care what band you are. So it's, it's trying good to policy, dude, you, you have to, you have to, like they're all adults. If I'm working with adults and I expect adults to respect my personal time when I'm volunteering to do a job to promote you, you know, I, I consider it uh very disrespectful if I get a no call no show. So I'm like Absolutely. I'm like, no, no more, man. But so far it's been it's been good. when I uh send a form letter to the bands and let them know, see the outline, like I specifically say that. If you no call no show, you get no second chances. So it's, I think it's a good, good option to have there. I think too, as like a band, like they should really try to appreciate what you're trying to do for them. And I think, uh, you know, cause bands, it seems like, or, I mean, it's just the music business is so different. Like you're not like, look, maybe you'll get on the radio and then you'll get really big. Like that band from Cincinnati, whose name I don't even know, but their annoying song keeps getting played. But like, if you're a punk rocker or anything like that, like nobody gives a shit about punk anymore, man. It's well, like mainstream doesn't. I like punk music, so I think if anybody's like, "Hey, I'm a podcaster. I'm pretty good at it. I'm going to take my time to do something cool for you guys and help you build your own audience," um, and then they just you know no call no show you, then yeah, they don't deserve your time, man. I mean, your time, your time, quite honestly, is more valuable, which is like weird to think about like now since like when we all first started we were like oh yeah like we took like we we would put up with so much bullshit i feel like from guests and now it's like if somebody like no call no shows me a couple times and i don't know them i don't i don't care who they are i don't i'm kind of done with them you know what i mean i absolutely Uh, i'm i'm the exact same way dude if i get uh somebody i've had a couple people that will set up for doing a podcast and then they're like uh, an hour late or two hours late and that's another thing if somebody's late i'm not waiting around on them there yeah you know I, I might give them 15 minutes but if they make me wait more than a half an hour or so uh, at the podcast location we either have ran out of time anyway or like sorry and then people will be like you know i'm on my way or they're they treat it like it's just you know i oh, i can be there half an hour hour late you know it's no problem because it's early, to be honest, it's early in the morning when, when we meet up. It's 11 a.m. on a Sunday. 11 and 12.30 is when I record every other Sunday, downtown Dayton. And I understand some of the bands are really hardcore partying bands. And they'll come in and they're either hungover or like to, to watch some of these bands like drink in doing the podcast. You realize like there are bands out there in the underground that are living the rock and roll lifestyle. And yeah. it, the rock and roll lifestyle is great, but when when you need to be on time somewhere, you know, sometimes you forget, and that's the, you know, when you start messing up like that, you see the professional bands, the bands who are out there actually making a name for themselves, and then the bands that don't really, don't really go anywhere. Like, we have local Dayton bands that are out there touring the nation. They're really making a name for themselves. They have, like thousands and thousands of likes on uh on facebook and plays on soundcloud and views on youtube and for me that's kind of how i i see 
what bands are really out there promoting themselves playing is is by all that stuff it's kind of a of a different industry now because with billboard and stuff like that you know i know a lot of kids don't buy music as it is yeah and i see a lot of support for local music like people will support local music if they like it yeah, it's good to see that that's like picking up in Dayton because I think there's other areas in Ohio where, like, I know I'm in Toledo now and they don't support local artists at all. It's not like it's a different vibe. I feel like they're the last because, like, Cleveland does. I feel like Cincinnati does. Columbus definitely. Columbus might not support local bands because they get so many big bands that come through, but they support like local businesses and everything else like that. And I think, like, really supporting you know, like, your local artists, your local farmer, your local business restaurant. I think that's, I mean, that's what your, that's what the economy needs. That's what, that's what our, you know, that's what the state of Ohio needs. So I think, I think it, and it starts, man, it starts with the art scene, man. I think the artists, um, you know, the artists make things kind of cool and like attract other, you know, if you have a good art scene, it's going to attract people to want to be in a hit place. You know what I mean? Yeah, they they usually the artist community they they move into a place because it's the rent's usually cheaper in an area, and then they make it hip and cool, and then that's when money moves in because they see you know this is the hip and cool place to be, and then it kind of revitalizes the community. Oftentimes, it, it doesn't always happen like that, but oftentimes the artists and the musicians that are there that are kind of making a scene uh, make it cool, and that's like being part of this archiving this being kind of a journalist but not really um just being somebody who enjoys music and enjoys people and being a part of watching uh, a music scene grow and dude like I, I called in sick the other day and I spent all day researching bands and I do a new segment called Izzy's Homegrown on uh fizzbutton.net on Rock Request Wednesday show or now, oh, you ended up doing your own your own radio no, show. No, I'm just contributing to uh, uh, Bad Andy Adderall. I'm yeah. contributing to his show. I I record a segment where I can feature two bands. Pretty much, I I always played two songs at the beginning and the end of the podcast. I would play one each at the beginning and the end. And I decided um, he asked me to contribute some music, and I tried to create my own segment called Izzy's Homegrown where I will talk about two bands and then I'll edit in their songs. And so now that's at the end of the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. But I spent hours researching all these bands and there's so many out there, dude. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of bands, man. I mean, everybody it, it's kind of weird. It's um, I mean, my friend Ellis has a band and I feel bad because I, I don't think I've been to his last 20 shows he's invited me to. And, uh, he's got a good band, man, but it's, it's, um, it's just kind of a weird thing. Like it's, it's hard for, for bands starting up to get people to come to their shows. Um, that's what, that's what it seems like in Columbus, man. Like, I, I'm not sure what the Dayton scene is like. It could be quite a bit different. Um, but there's a ton of bands, especially in Ohio and everybody wants, you know, and it's cool. I mean, people are, are following their dream, but it's, that's a tough, tough, uh, Tough avenue to go, man. Personally, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not a musician, so I I wouldn't want to do it. But I'm not a musician, so. But I, you know, if music is in your blood and that's what you want to do, then I think people should do it. Yeah, I've, I've 
went to Miami Valley Music Fest and I came across a bunch of like jam bands that I had never heard of and and then recently this year I interviewed uh Alliance Records who they do grind city promotions in the Dayton area and they bring like Twisted and ABK and a lot and they brought Do or Die last night to Odd Bodies and it's this group that are they're juggalos. They're self-proclaimed juggalos. And you realize, like, even within the juggalo community, they have their own community where they're supporting one another, supporting the music. And you look like if anybody ever Googled Gathering of the Juggalos, you would see so many artists that you're like, I've never heard of these people, but a lot of people have. And a lot of people listen to them. And I think not really realizing that there is thriving bands out there touring and musicians able to go to places like Nashville and then tour with these bigger bands. Um, you realize like music is, has taken on a, a different role now. And by the way, and Columbus does have a good scene. There's, there's quite a few bands out there, but you said you're in Toledo now. You're not in Columbus. No, no, I'm in Toledo visiting my dad. No, I still oh, live. Okay. In okay. No, I'm not moving away. I like Columbus too much. I was just saying just from like my experience here, I mean, I'm sure there is like, you know, the hipsters that support their local bands. Um, Columbus does have a good music scene. There's just so many bands. Well, yeah, there's, dude, uh, there's a, that's the thing. It's like going and trying to find a good band to go see or somebody to like. It's like there's so many choices out there now. So many people are able to make music, you know, that no people didn't lose the desire to be in bands. It's just much harder to make a living doing it now. Yeah, I mean, that's what, I mean, so, like, Dean Del Rey, who, uh, which, by the way, I'll put in a plug on Saturday, or on Friday, September 18th, Woodlands Tavern, uh, we're going to bring Dean Del Rey to the Woodlands. we got two shows, one at 8 and one at 10, so if, if you want to go to a late show, you can, and then the next day, we're going to be going to Pittsburgh. But Dean was, as you know, was a rocker for for probably, I mean, I think he said he was on the road for 25 years. And uh, ultimately, why he had to stop was because people like his fans would come to the show. They'd be like, yeah, I uh, downloaded your album last night, man. I love your music. And he couldn't sell merch. And he said, ultimately, like his, uh, he couldn't, I mean, his band members had wives and it, they couldn't afford to keep keep doing it. So they just decided to, to stop. And I, And I think that's like, the way the internet has changed, um, you know, the way music business has been done, um, I think, like, you know, people should be buying merch of, like, the smaller bands. Like, look, if you want to download Kesha or Miley Cyrus, go right ahead. Like, those people aren't hurting on money at all. But, like, small guys, they are. I mean, you should buy their T-shirts. Whenever I go to a show, I try to at least spend 25 bucks in merch, like, just to support the bands. If they have T-shirts that fit me, which most of these bands don't, like they only have like XL, which sucks, but whatever. Um, I still will get like a CD or get a vinyl. Hopefully, if they have a vinyl, I'll get the vinyl. Now, so. now, Drew, uh, you forgot to mention that Dean has. I don't know. You might have forgot to mention he has a podcast <laughs> called uh, Yeah, Let There Be talk. talk. Yeah, it's a great podcast. So. Um, thanks, Izzy. Yeah, buddy. Um, I, I love Dean. I, I love I've, Dean's I've, podcast. It's he, it's like it's I'd so listen good. to it more if I had time because he's been putting out a lot more. But he's he's such a good dude, man. Like he's such a 
just a professional in all levels. And just like, if you're like a fan of his or you listen to his podcast, like he'll give everybody time and talk to him, man. And he, he loves picking their brain, hearing what they have to say. So, I mean, if you're a Dean fan, you need to come to these shows because Dean wants to see you. So, I mean, Dean would love to talk to you. And that's like, that's the cool thing about it, man. I mean, that's how we developed this relationship with him because you and I were at the, uh, the draft and you and I like start building a relationship with him. And then, uh, the next day we drove out to Indy and we, uh, hung out with them again. So, um, yeah, man, uh, l- listen to let there be talk. Um, he's also the, he's like a guest host for the Tom green show and Tom green's not doing it. Um, so I, he's, he's got a lot of stuff. He's got a Netflix special. That's going to be, he's going to be filming it soon. It's going to be coming out soon. I mean, he's uh he's a good dude. He, he's been on Mark Maron's podcast a few times when Mark talked to, uh, the Rolling Stones, he invited Dean over there to sit in and listen in on the conversation. And they talked beforehand and it was to hear, and he's actually been in a Marin show on IFC, uh, which is a, a really good show. And it, it, it kind of showcases podcasting as well. But yeah, Dean is one of those guys that y- you hear him on people like Rogan's show. You hear him on Mark Marion's show on Ari Shafir's show and I've liked him for a long time because he's unlike anybody else. He's an older dude who started in comedy late and really made a name for himself by putting in the work, by putting in the hard work and getting out there and doing like uh, hundreds and hundreds of shows a year. And like he's out in L.A. and he, he does comedy almost every single night. If he doesn't do comedy every single night, he's doing podcasts or he's out there working. He's out there hustling. And this guy is really making a name for himself because of that. Yeah, he's definitely a, uh, a student of uh, comedy. All right, I'm getting some feedback now. Oh, shit. Face. Oh, shit. Is it bad? Uh, it's gone now. I wonder what well, it was. kind of there. I don't know. I wonder, hold on. We got to figure this out. We got to figure it out. Okay, I don't hear it now. Okay, now I do. What the <laughs> hell? I wonder what it is. Hold on. Anyway. Right. I, I bet it. I bet it's because I touched uh, touched my computer. I bet that's what it is. Why are you touching your computer? I don't know, dude. All right, that's what it is. All right, no more <laughs> feedback. All right, I won't touch yeah. my computer. Oh, you're fine. Um, but yeah, so if you go to uh, if you, I mean, there's a link on the Death Squad Ohio page, but um, if it's there's a ticket web link as well for the tickets for um for the Dean Del Rey show. Uh, if you go to um, there's, we'll post a link for the show. I need to get a website, but Woodlands Productions has it. So if you go to Woodlands Productions or if you just Google search Dean Del Rey, uh, live stand-up comedy, Columbus, Ohio, you'll see the doors open at seven. The first show is at eight. Second show tickets are only $12. So if you pre-order the tickets are only 12 bucks, they're going to be 15 at the door. Um, so you'll save some money. Um, if you pre-order and then if you go to the arcade comedy, um, if you go to their website, so it's just, uh, uh, I think it's arcadecomedy.com or arcadecomedytheater.com. Um, you'll see they have links for both shows as well. So and it's the same thing. So on Saturday, it's a 6 p.m. show. Um, the first show is and the second show is 8 p.m. Um, Saturday, September 19th. So uh, definitely, definitely get pre-order tickets if you... Izzy and I have definitely been traveling comedy fans before. Yeah. It's a fun, it's fun to do. 
go to a couple shows and know um you know the the smoking jays and the brain they they went they they went to a bunch of shows too so um yeah guys so if you guys should should definitely check it out um and i think i i'm kind of running out of things to say is I'm, I'm just you know trying to su- shamelessly self promote uh, <laughs> so so what what is the cuz pr- comedy promotion is something that uh, our friends uh Joe Rangatanga out in Toronto and uh Jason Nosasquehanna they've really played a part in building these comedy communities for one in in Toronto at the Underground Comedy Cafe and and now I think they've moved to a, a movie theater type place. Uh, yeah. And, and now, a, now you guys have been doing some shows in, in Columbus, and now you're bringing Dean Del Rey, and you're also bringing Miss Pat, which we'll talk about in a second. But t- talk about that a little bit. How, how did how did all that start? Well, I so Joe really was the one that was like, I want to do shows. And when I first started hanging out with Jason, right after – you know, I had messaged you on Twitter and was like, Hey, help, you know, help me get this podcast started. Um, we were just like, Jason and I were riding in a car and I was just thinking, um, and I didn't really even know that Joe was planning on doing stuff either. And I had said like, Hey, there's definitely a market to bring these comics here. They're not very big. You know, I, they have a fan base. I think we should try to start doing shows. And we kind of like started from there. Cause I was kind of the new guy. And then Joe really started it. So Joe um, at first wanted to be a comedian and then he had just like a dream to get things rolling um, with doing his own show. So he had a pretty good relationship with Joey, um, who you've had on the podcast, Puff Mama. And so he liked Duncan Trussell a lot. So he just, I mean, honestly, I think he just contacted Duncan's agent. We just figured out, okay, how can we book these comics? Um and then, like, from there, uh, the Duncan show went well. And then because, you know, of, of us promoting shows before, like the shows that weren't ours, and just developing these relationships with the comics, um, you know, Joe and Jason were able to do, like, uh, they did a live naughty show and brought all of those comics out. Tom and Christina have worked with Joe a few times. Um, and so, like, Jason was really helping Joe. Um, I couldn't actually go to Canada because I didn't have my driver's license at the time or a passport or money. And then when I got my job and I actually, you know, really got back on my feet and really started to, you know, hit the ground running, I started going up there as well. And it was just because there's a lot of work that goes into it. And, um, you know, I'm not afraid of hard work. And so then it just became a thing where, you know, Jason and I would, would go up there and help Joe with all these shows. And, um, so, I mean, you know, more, most recently, so just through our different relationships, like I reached out to Dean was like, Hey, my friend wants to book you in Toronto. Um, are you interested? He was like, absolutely call this number. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to have my friend Joe call you. And then we brought Dean out, um, in the winter time, we had this great time. And then we brought him in red band out the last time it was a great time. So what Joe started doing because the, um, the underground isn't really that big of a venue. Um, and also too, it's, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a nice cloudy environment and that's not <laughs> necessarily comfortable for everybody. So Joe for the Tom and Christina thing started working with um, our friend, Jonathan, who owns a theater. It's like, an, it's like, it's actually kind of, it's the oldest uh, projection screen theater in the city of Toronto. 
And Jonathan, you know, it's in like a, it's in like actually, like, I guess a rougher part of Toronto, which is still really nice. And um, so Jonathan had built a stage and they, he has a lot of different shows there that just, you know, just kind of support the arts. And uh, so we started doing that. Um, but then, um, so, but this, this Thursday, actually, um, we're bringing up Miss Pat to, uh, for a high entry show at uh, the underground as well. And if things go well, we might be having Miss Miss Pat might be doing this new comedy club too if it opens, called the uh, Corner Comedy Club. So that's pretty exciting as well. So and that's that's downtown. It's like right in the heart of the city. Like it's right in downtown. And so if that's uh, if it's ready to be open, so that that'll be a great time. So that's still kind of um, it's still kind of on the fence. We're not sure if it's going to happen yet. I haven't. I got to figure. Well, we'll find that out. Um, but that should be a great time. And uh, I actually might, I probably won't be able to make it, but Jason's going to be going up there because um, i got to handle some stuff back in Columbus getting ready for the Dean show. So there's just so much, so many shows that are coming up, man. So it's, um, it's exciting, man. It's exciting to have a business and, and you know, try to really, man, it's exciting to, to help these comics. I mean, that's the most fun part about it is to be doing something for comedy because I'm not a comedian. Like maybe I'm funnier than most people, but I'm not funny like you know, a stand-up comic. So it's good. That I, f- I feel like really good because this is something that I'm passionate about. It's something Jason's passionate about. It's something Joe's really passionate about. And it's cool to express your passions, man, and try to, you know, hopefully get these shows to pay for themselves. And, you know, if, if we make a little bit of money in the process too, that'll be great. So, but mainly it's all about, you know, bringing guys like Dean Del Rey to attention of people outside of what is existing audiences. Hopefully, you know, people will go to the show that don't have any idea who Dean Del Rey is and will be like, man, I remember seeing this guy at the Woodlands and now he's huge because he has this Netflix special. And um, and Netflix is so big for comics, man. Like Tom Segura sells out every single show now. Yeah. Like at the Funny Bone, they created an extra show because um, they, they just opened that new room um, in Columbus and they created an 1130 show because he sold out two shows Friday, two shows Saturday and the Sunday show. And, um, and then he went out to Dayton and he sold out that show too. Um, did you even, were you even able to get tickets to uh, Tom's show? No, man. He, because he came on a Wednesday and my work hours are, uh, two, I go to work at two thirty AM. Yeah. And so it makes it really difficult for me to do anything Monday through Friday. Uh, there's so many like local bands or local events. I, I miss because of that. Um, but, I saw that dude. I saw he was coming. I really wanted to go, but I didn't get tickets. I I was waiting to get tickets, and then and then he sold out. And he sold he sold out, and a lot of people that were waiting uh, couldn't get tickets. And that's kind of a lesson learned. If if you like that's, an artist, you got to get your tickets right when they get announced. But that's like an awesome thing for these comics, man. Because originally, like it was easy to get tickets because nobody would pre-buy tickets. They'd buy them at the door or something like that. But it makes these comics look a lot better if they can sell out online before the day even happens. Like, I'm hoping that every single show for Dean sells out. Like, I want to do my best to make that happen. And, um, I, you know, and I, and I think that'd be great. But, I, you know, the thing is, though, like, kind of the reason why I brought up Tom was, you know, Dean's, Dean's supposed to be having this special on Netflix, um, from my understanding. And, uh, once he does, man, he's going to be huge because he is so funny. Yeah. And like, and then like, just even like Tom, I mean, Tom is huge on Netflix. If you, you can see how many reviews he has 
on his Netflix special, and it's bigger than HBO. I think, you know, I, I just watched Bill Burr's stand-up comedy special on Netflix, and that was that was freaking hilarious, man. I don't know why I waited to watch it so long, but it's, you know, man, it's it's just kind of the way what we were talking about earlier with these bands and everything else like that. It's it's the way that people are consuming content now. People want on-demand content, which is why we, you and I can be having this conversation and so many people are going to listen to it. Yeah. And it's, um, it's kind of a weird thing in reality because we're not, we're not different than our listeners. Um, but it's, it's still fun, man. It's, it's just a cool, it's a way that we can get out here and, and record what we're doing in our lives. So, so the day that we have grandchildren or great grandchildren that maybe never have met us, if something happened to us, they could, they could, listen to all of our podcast episodes and get an idea of who we were as people. Absolutely, um, man. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of Tom Segura, I can remember having hear, hearing that he's selling out in so many places that he's playing now. And, you know, I, I know that the Joe Rogan podcast that he, that they did with uh, him and Christine, and by the way, they're having a baby. Congratulations to them. Um, that, they uh, they have really made a name for themselves with their podcast. And when I interviewed Tom at the Dayton Funny Bone back in 2012, uh, he like there was hardly anybody there. And he made a point of pointing that out on a Saturday night that there was uh, a lot of empty seats. And to hear that he went from something like that to something where now he can make a living for himself, he can... He's really making a name for himself. It's nice to see the growth of these artists, whether yeah. it's bands or comedians or podcasters, uh, to see the growth of people and to see how people change and they develop. It's really cool to watch and really cool to to be along along that route. And you know, I've always been one that has liked to find out what's happening in, in the underground. You know, ever since I was younger. And I, it's it's funny how that still hasn't changed. Yeah, I mean we're definitely not mainstream culture guys. No. And we're we're hipsters in our own regard. We're we're different kind of hipsters. We might we maybe not be wearing skinny jean lumberjack looks, but um, you know I th- I think we just like the stuff that we like. Yeah. And it was like when we first met each other through these comedy shows. I remember you uh, Wes and I driving to a show. And you're like, do you guys like green jelly? And we're like, fuck yeah, we like green jelly. <laughs> we, we started listening to green jelly, I think, or you played another band or something like that. And uh, or I asked you that. I don't remember. Um, but it was like we had like so much stuff, like I don't know, like you like, okay, so the fact that probably you and I are both super excited about Ash versus the Evil Dead, the yes. new show that's coming out on yeah. stars. Like we grew up watching that, and it's like uh so it's, you know, it's, it's like we had so much stuff in common and not ever even knowing each other. And I think it's because we were always into non-mainstream stuff that we liked. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I think it's, um, I don't know, man, it's, it's cool to see like, to like with this podcast, with our podcast now, we can, we can contribute to artists that we like and we can help promote the artists that we like. And it feels cool to be a part maybe even a small part of their success, like not that we're super responsible because they're responsible because they're talented, but maybe we shine light on, you know, people early on to, to help them, you know, boost their career or something like that. But it's, I mainly just think it's cool because we get to interact with them. Like, it's cool that 
you had Tom Segura on your podcast, so now he's selling out shows everywhere he goes. So it's 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 this cool thing that we they were like you know Bob Saget status where they're just so big that they really can't interact with people because there's so many people or Joe Rogan status. There's just so many people that are just just crazy fans of them of theirs or just like if that makes sense. No, it does, dude. And, and even now when I go to a show, I don't hang out to talk. I don't hang out to to chat with those guys uh, because they've met so many people. I know that they don't know me personally because I yeah. know I know even myself, even doing doing what I've done, I've had so many conversations with people that I forget people's names. I forget the where where I met the person or the situation. It it's not always like that. If I've seen people a, a few times, but there you start meeting so many different people in so many different communities because with social media, you have whatever interest you're in. I'm in, interested in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so I became friends with yeah, a lot of people I'm who are Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. I, I'm interested in uh, – I, I was uh, interested in coaching sports and being involved in the community, so I'm friends on my social media with those kind of people as well, as well as podcast people, as well as comedy people, as well as Joe Rogan fan, like. It's amazing the your interest. You can find a community, and if you're willing to get out and you're you're somewhat social, you f- start finding people that you have common interests in, and then sometimes that can that can be a great thing, but it can also be a bad thing because it put it can put you in a bubble of information, right? Yeah, it can whether you slant left or right politically or you're in the middle, or you consider yourself a libertarian, people can fall into these bubbles of information where you don't allow other information to, to come in. So I think it can be a positive and negative, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I think uh, it, it's been interesting for me because when I first started the podcast, you know, it was cool because I started getting like guests that were on GRE and... Um, and then I was like, man, like I got to do something different. And then I, I started, you know, really getting into the Liberty Movement. And I was just, I found this whole underground, you know, because I, I kind of realized that I wasn't for any government at all. So then I started talking to all these people from like kind of the anarchist movement. And um, and then I ended up like being invited. This one guy, Nathan Frazier, who built my website, um, you know, I ended up becoming good friends with him. And now I was like, I'm a co host on his radio show and i'm in like a totally different community and then like thinking about that now now i'm also like now like because i'm obsessed with growing food which is like my other business i've been doing with like the farmer's market and um trying to you know grow food and like because i moved into like a rougher area columbus and i have like a community lot trying to get that going i turn my backyard into a you know a garden you know grow food not lawns and um so now i've been like getting these permaculture guys um on my podcast and these urban farmers or, and it's, 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 to me, it's like just an evolution and, you know, it's, 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 um, I just am naturally following my interests and, and, and it's like the same thing for you too. Cause when you first started, man, you had all these sweet comics on and then it was like, okay, I should really start developing my podcast, who I am is the Izzy rock. And then you, you were like, then you started doing a million other podcasts and <laughs> now you're just this podcast guru. And, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's interesting to see 
you know, uh, how you can get, you can get caught up into different things. And, um, and it's, it's easy to, you know, if you're not being dynamic with, with your interests and, and just the things that you're following, like it's, it's easy to kind of get stuck into thinking that things should only be a certain way or something like that. If that's what you were trying to say. No, that's exactly what I was trying to say that I think if you, if you allow yourself to be open to different communities, if you allow yourself to be open to different philosophies or beliefs and that you're not quick to jump to judgment on somebody's, uh, you know, somebody's personal beliefs. Uh, like you can really learn a lot from different people. And I, I've learned that as I've grown, like to be able to, I, I went from being a hardcore Christian who believed, uh, uh, gay marriage was wrong, who believed abortion was wrong, who, where I still, I kind of still have issues with abortion. Uh, but that's a whole different other story. But, uh, and then, I started really thinking logically about the Bible and about religion, and I started thinking critically. And when you start looking at the world through a critical lens, and you start thinking with logic and reason, you really start opening your eyes to like how much we're being lied to by uh, our government officials or our media, and then you really like i i find myself i find myself interested in uh hearing all different sides and and i realize like on the fringes of every side is crazy people but somewhere kind of in the middle if you can hear somebody's rational explanation of why they believe what they believe you can really pull from from their philosophy and it really shapes yours like i have i had never really known what a libertarian was or what um, um, you know, what that philosophy was in, until I met you, until I met some of the people that I've, I met through social media, especially on Twitter within the death squad community, there was a lot of people who were self-proclaimed libertarians. How, how did you get involved in, in that community? Uh, well, so for me, because it was like, uh, you know, after the last election, um, you know, cause I was all about it. Like I was all about, you know, Gary Johnson and everybody was happy about 1%. And then I just kind of realized that it doesn't matter, man. The federal elections are just, just bogus. So I started, so what I actually started doing was, um, I, I kind of started to figure out that like, you know, voting on national things was kind of pointless cause they don't, whatever agenda they have, they're going to, they're going to do, and there's going to be different rich people that kind of fight it out. Um, so I'd actually, so, so one thing that got me on the path was I didn't have my driver's license and I couldn't afford to renew it. And I knew that if I was going to get pulled over, I was going to have to defend myself and there's no way I could like hire a lawyer. My lawyer said he would help me if it happened because we were kind of, there was just a miscommunication. We thought my privileges would still be in effect, but basically what happens is um, cause I got like physical control. And what happened was, is that my privileges were, once my court case is over, my privileges go away and I have to pay to get my license renewed or to get my license back. And I couldn't afford it. Like I just, at that time, like I wasn't, I was in between gigs really. And I, you know, I just kind of was going through this stage in my life. So I started studying, um, this, uh, 
you know, I was actually listening, like me and Mick Guzman and Will from Will and Jay Save the Universe. We were like, we became pretty good friends through text messaging. And we started like really listening to Gnostic Media. And he had this guy, Freeman Burt on. And he was talking about how he was a free man. And there's all these things that, you know, we didn't realize that what our government was and how our court system was. And it seemed like this really cool idea. Like there's this whole free man movement. And then I had this guy on in Canada. Um, Rob and the Paget family who I've had on again. And he, he kind of created his own country. And that's when he really said that he was like, and he's like this big Christian, but he's like, you know, I'm an anarchist. Like I'm a Christian anarchist, like Leo Tolstoy. Like that was who really influenced him. And then um, Will had like messaged me this red ice radio episode of Nathan Frazier. And Nathan was just talking about how he was actually beating all these like he was getting stuff thrown out because he started following what this guy Mark Stevenson does. And basically Mark Stevenson makes his living by not being a lawyer, but pretty much helping people know like how to how to basically get your cases dismissed in court through your own representation. Um, and so Nathan was really successful at that, too. Like Nathan, I think he's not into it anymore because it just took up too much of his time and he didn't feel right charging people. But it was taken out like he was getting about 80 percent of the cases thrown out. He was helping with it was all based on this fact of jurisdiction, like the, the court can't prove jurisdiction. And so the, now so I, that's that's initially how I got started now, just so people know, like my opinions on that, I feel like I should say real quick. So Nathan pretty much pointed out um, why the free man movement is actually bullshit and like a lot of the stuff that they use isn't tested. And there was there was this big stupid debate on Gnostic Media about it. And I, I'm not a fan of debates. I feel like if you listen to a debate or, you know, each party loses like the whole everyone gets all amped up when Bill Nye puts his, his fucking bow tie on and wants to debate some creationist. And it's like, why? Like the creationists made so much money from that debate. Now they're building the ridiculous museum that you're against. Which is fine. If they want to believe that, in my opinion, they should. They can have whatever silly museum they want. People can go to it and they can charge them money and whatever. So, um, but anyways, so to get back to it, like, to get stay focused. So Nathan, um, I started listening to Nathan because like he was really on point with this, uh, this stuff. And then Nathan just started, the way, like, listening to his radio show, um, I started really diving into that. And Nathan really uh, had, like, so he started having these guests on. And I started and I had Nathan on um, just because I reached out to him and then he was like, yeah, I'll do your show. So I had him on and it, it was a really cool conversation. And then um, I started stealing his guests. And so I didn't steal them, but it was just kind of like the same thing I did with your podcast. So I'm like, oh, I listen. And I was like, that guy's interesting. I'll, I'll get him on my show. And and so then I, I started uh, one person all the summer. She does this thing called the Jackalope Freedom Festival. And it's this big like camping trip get together in um uh, in Arizona, it's in this national park. And that's actually, I went out there last year and I met, hung out with J.R. Steiner and it was just kind of interesting, man. Like it was, it was different to go there because it was like, everybody wanted to be the biggest anarchist and everything like that. So, uh, to answer your question, the way I got involved in that community and how that all came about was cause I started listening to Nathan's show. Um, and then through Nathan's show, I made these like, I, st I started friending these people and then ultimately like I had uh, Brett Benat on from school sucks podcast and 
a bunch of people that have big audiences and are, are big into the liberty movement, which um, which was pretty cool. And then I kind of just got I, I didn't get burned out. But I, I, for me, it was like, you know, for me, freedom isn't about, you know, just calling people statists and and not doing anything like to me, like if, if I want to, you know, Cody R. Wilson, who created the um, 3D printed gun went on Glenn Beck's show and something that I really remembered and he just kind of owned Glenn Beck and it wasn't even like in a sense of like he was being disrespectful. He just pointed at his gun and he said, this is real politics. This is a political act. And it was. And then I was like, man, like that's really, if I want to make a difference and I really want to, to, you know, cause all I was doing, I felt like was bitching and I was just turning it into a talking head so I was just having a, a show and I was just having people on my show and we were just discussing what our beliefs were, but I wasn't doing anything. Like I wasn't, you know, like I was doing business stuff and we would do stuff with comedy, but I was like, man, like I really need to fucking do stuff. If I'm going to say that this is who I am and this is what I represent. If I just say that and that I don't do it, then what good am I? What good am I doing? How am I really making a difference or really following up with something that I believe in? So then, um, you know, I, I started, you know, when, when I moved into this house, Jason and I talked about wanting to have a garden there because, um, you know, Jason and I are like best friends and we were roommates. And then I got my own place. He has his own place. But like we still, you know, go back and forth to each other's places all the time. But, you know, I was moving in the city and where we lived before was like a condo. So you don't really have a yard. But like where I live now, I have like a whole backyard and I knew the owner of the house. And I was like, you know, when we, we came on your show that one time when you got sick. We start talking about it, what we were going to do. And then, then I just start doing it. And then it was like growing food is a political act. And that's like the weirdest thing to think about. But if you want to make a difference in your community, you know, growing food is, is one of the biggest ways to do it because you're teaching people to be resilient. You're teaching people to rely on themselves. You're teaching people to better their own community. Like, you know, you're, you're cutting out um, a lot of this stuff, I mean, to me, man, like I've had my, like, I still have my doubts about climate change and all this crap that the glaciers are melting. I mean, the, the glaciers are receding. That's a fact, but I, I just don't believe in a lot of the science behind it. Now, one thing though, that I am all about is pollution. Like pollution is definitely, I think, a cause of the droughts, um, in California. I think that the way that it, to me, it's all about agriculture. It's all about the way big ag goes. I mean, if you think about the Dust Bowl, like the Dust Bowl took place in Arizona. Arizona used to be a big farm spot, which people forget. And it's um, to me, so it's, you know, to me, it's, it's all about growing food, but growing it in a way that I feel is actually good. Like I want my food that I grow to be so good that Whole Foods wishes they could have my food in there. And I, and I stand by my vegetables, man. I mean, like I I finally started getting crops from cucumbers um, and zucchinis. Uh, I didn't, my pepper plants and eggplant died and I felt really bad. Like I killed something and it, it was a weird feeling. My cantaloupe's still coming on, but it's like, you know, I spent a lot of time in prep. Like I did a lot of research. Like I didn't want weeds. I didn't want to spend a lot of time watering. So I built my beds in a certain way. So I don't really have to water it. Um, I don't have to pick weeds. Uh, my radishes were delicious, but I, I let those, I, I didn't water those enough. So they didn't radish right. So there was like a lot of things that I'm learning in year one, but I, I mean, to me, like, you know, t I, I know it was just, how did you get started in the Liberty movement? But to me, this is like an ultimate, that's like the ultimate thing. 
is because when you go to like, you start looking in the group, people that grow food, people that are in a permaculture, there are the hippie people, but I feel like there's a lot more people that are, are in my opinion, anarchists or anarcho-capitalists or whatever. And however they want to define themselves is up to them, but they're doing it because they want to be resilient. They're doing it because they want to be able to rely upon themselves. They're doing it because that's the way that they know that they can make a difference in their local area. And that's, and that's really it, man. Like if you want to make a difference, you have to start in your town, which is what you were doing ultimately. Like when we talked about, um, you know, when you, you, you talked about how your interview with Duncan Trussell kind of changed the way you looked at things with like a, a cat shit necklace, yeah. carrying a cat shit necklace around. So then what did you start doing? Well, you started supporting the things in your community that were important to you. Yep. And, that, and that was the music scene. That was the art scene. That was getting involved with Sideshow, getting involved with Gem City Podcast. So, um, yeah, man, I, I didn't mean to, to just go on that, that tangent really. Dude, no, that's exactly where I wanted you to go. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted you to explain how, how you got there and explain the horticulture stuff because, to me, that's interesting. I don't have a whole lot yeah. of friends or people that I know that are conscious enough to, to make that move, to, to go from realizing you can't just sit and bitch about something, you have to actually do something about it. Whether it's yeah. just something small, whether it's you have to start somewhere. And, and that, that's why I've always respected you and I've always respected your opinions about stuff because I know you take action with stuff. You, I, tr- like, I try to. You do, dude. Like, you, you're one of the people I look at and I, I, I respect your opinion on things. Like, I might not sh- totally share your opinion on, on everything, but I, re- I respect it enough to look at it and go, okay, let me, let me take a look at this because my friend Drew cares about this. I want to know what it's about. And you, you have a very interesting philosophy that continues to grow and, and shape. And because you, ha- you did start your own podcast and you are focusing on things that other people aren't focusing on and you really shifted it just, just like I think that every, everybody who does a podcast – don't get stuck in doing one style of podcast or think that you have to do the same thing. You can move and grow and it can become different and change and and to watch that you've you've had different artists, you've had different authors, you've had different uh people involved with di- different movements that you really shine a light that you know doesn't get shined on in other other places. Yeah, I try. I try, man. Like permaculture's been this thing that's really just kind of taken over. Um, just kind of taken. Like I've just become obsessed with it. Like it, it's because uh, it makes sense. It's all about permanent agriculture. It's all about like developing systems, whether it be a living housing system or food system or something, so you can. It's it's reliant and it's not wasteful. Because I think ultimately, you know, we are incredibly wasteful. Like. Uh, whether it be oil or how we use oil, how we use different things, the way we, we, we grow our crops, just, just everything. I mean, I think just man gets like, I mean, and here's the thing is like, we've never lived in a better time, no, but, yeah. I, but it's like, you know, we, we forget, I mean, like something that I like Joel Salatin says is like, you know, if you want to make a difference, start, start in your kitchen, like really start like cooking food I mean, even like for you, like the last time we talked, you were talking about how much you enjoy cooking now and, you know, how, you know, someday you want to have a food truck or or have a a restaurant 
or a food business. And I think, I think that's awesome, man. I think it's, and I think, you know, so then you go from there and then you're like, okay, like I want to make sure that this food I'm making is really actually good for me. So I want to make sure I'm using the best ingredients, which a lot of people don't do. And I started to, and then it was like, you know, well, this is expensive, you know, going to Whole Foods, buying this stuff. And and then it was like, man, like I should just grow my own or, or buy straight from a farmer instead of supporting this large chain grocery store, which, you know, they're still good. And, you know, if you can find a good grocery store, it's, it's good to support it. But, you know, ultimately, I'd rather be buying all my meat from a farmer so I can actually go to that farm and take a look and see how they treat those animals. Or I like, I mean, man, I felt so good this summer just because most of the vegetables I was eating um, were coming from my friends or people that I knew's farms or plots of land that were growing food. Um, so I've eaten so much kale and, and we had some really good salad mixes for a while or, you know, all my onions, potatoes, um, recently peppers. And it, it, it's just been the food tastes better. It's different. Like, you know, Joel Salatin, um, I'm a big fan of his. He's like, poly, he's got polyface farms and he was, He's like been featured in a bunch of documentaries like Food Inc. and American Meat. And Joel Salton, you know, he, he talks about um, uh, he, he talks about how anything that doesn't rot, you probably shouldn't be eating. Like wow. you, your, your food should be going bad. Like that's that's just the way it's natural. Like it's it's it should be something. In it, and then it makes you think about it. You're like, yeah, like that's probably why McDonald's is so bad for you, because those burgers will look the same in 10 years. So it's, you know, man, it, it, and it's in it. And I don't think I used to get on the side of the conspiracy wagon and think that, oh, they're just, they're just trying to fatten us up or they're just trying to dumb us down. And I just think it's a consequence of convenience. Why that's going on. Like people want to make money people. I don't think they're, I don't think they intended to be malicious. I think it was like, Hey, we could be going from making two twenty nine a transaction to making four twenty nine a transaction get these ingredients and do that. And, but I, you know, luckily people are paying more and more attention to their ingredients and people are, are starting to, to cultivate this relationship with their food again. So they are paying more attention to it. They are, they are starting to realize that, you know, real medicine is your food, not these drugs that are being ha- you know, pawned off to you by these doctors. And, you know, and the doctors aren't even like, I mean, they don't get any nutritional knowledge in medical school. They're all about, there's, there's not, it's re- not really about preventative care that they get educated on. It's usually intervention is yeah. what they're getting educated on. So I don't know, man, I, I kind of went on another tangent like that. No, so. you're, I, <laughs> I love your tangents, dude. By the way, uh, speaking of farming and speaking of crops, uh, we have a bill coming up in Ohio um, in November, oh, the, yeah, November 3rd we that people this. are going to vote for, uh, for Responsible Ohio. Which it's it has this it has done what I didn't think could happen and it's caused a schism in the cannabis community where you get one side who is for it because they just want it legal they don't really understand all the all the wording and then you got some people who are totally against it because for the first four years it allows ten investors to make pretty much all the money from these from these 10 grow sites and then after that it's like a hundred thousand dollar fee to open up um each new site and you have to have all these regulations and guidelines and i know you're the type of person that believes in a free market and you believe that it should just be 
okay for everybody acro- across yeah. the board. Talk about your philosophy on that with the free market because I think it's super interesting and I don't think a lot of people really understand it. And I think you're educated enough to kind of yeah. tell people now and then tell people why they shouldn't vote for responsible. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of people, like I've had people attack me on Facebook because they're like, oh, typical private prison argument and it's like what like and it and, and it was kind of a weird thing so basically responsible ohio is going to give you freedom to consume cannabis that's it there's not a lot of other freedoms and like so if you look at the positive stuff that's going on in oregon right now the positive the positive stuff that's going on in colorado it's all because it's actually free not just for the consumers but also on the business end and Responsible How is not free on the business end. I mean, pretty much it's a monopoly. I mean, only 10 growth sites are allowed. Those growth sites have already been decided because it was basically, you know, you get you invest $25,000 for like 7% or something like that. I mean, it was a lot of money to get in and you had to know the right people to get it in. And um, so the reason why that's not good is because, you know, most of this money, I mean, so, okay, the people behind the bill, one of them's from, owns the Indianapolis 500. The other one is actually a big California agent. I mean, this isn't something that's going to be good for the state of Ohio um, in the sense of, I mean, they're talking about bringing people's jobs. We don't need jobs. I mean, who knows where those jobs are going to be? Are they going to be Walmart jobs? I mean, come on. I mean, it's just not what you think. The quality is obviously not going to be good. Joe Rogan on JRE actually had a really good example. Imagine if you could only buy lettuce from 10 different growers and it was grown on a mass scale. Like, how ridiculous is that? What if it was ridiculous for you that you could be put in jail for growing lettuce in your backyard because you're not one of the 10 businesses that's allowed to grow lettuce? And that's the whole thing, man. Let it be free. This is a plant. This is something that should be regulated like a vegetable. And, And I think it's, you know, people... People have years and years of, of this is a scary drug in their head. But in reality, like it's not like all it is is a plant. And like think about the free market. Let let people I mean, just look at craft beer, man. Look at how many great craft beer uh, breweries there are in Ohio, let alone just Columbus, just Dayton, just Toledo, just Cleveland. Cleveland has great ones. Columbus has great ones. And like imagine if there was only allowed to be 10 people that were allowed to make beer. Like the big beer chains, nobody likes drinking Bud Light or Coors. Like maybe you do. I don't. I think it's gross. I think it tastes like pee. So I think, you know, it's it's the same thing. So think about how good of, for the economy it is for microbreweries. I mean, there there's um, – I'm going to just be talking on my ass right now because I can't actually link the article. But I know that there was an article about the, the positive effect of, of craft breweries or microbreweries in an economy. You know, it's whenever you see a bunch of them popping up. It's a great sign that your economy is starting to build up. And I think, it, it, you know, it's the, it would be the same thing. I mean, if, 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 if this, if like the next bill for 2016 that's coming out is, is going to be way more rewarding for free for everybody. And I think people in reality should just wait a year. That's the reason why Oregon just got voted in, because it was a similar bill um, for the first one that came out that everybody voted down. Um, so, you know, yeah, you can say, look, well, now I don't have to be worried about smoking or getting, you know, persecuted for consuming cannabis, which I'm, I'm all about that. 
believe me, I really am. Or, and I really do think that people non like cannabis users that are in jail should be released. I, I agree with that. But I think that we shouldn't just take the low hanging fruit and we should act. I mean, this is a constitutional amendment. This isn't something that can be easily changed. If it is voted in and, and it does go into effect, it's not something that could just be changed. I mean, look at prohibition with the federal government. How long did that take to get removed? I mean, how long did it take them? It, it took Al Capone turning into a huge gangster from prohibition, that's for sure. So I think we have to think about we have to think about this logically. We have to think about, you know, look, it is good for, for the consumer. It definitely is. But it's not good for somebody that wants to go into business. It's not good for the quality of what you're consuming. I mean, there's a lot of bad that goes with this good. And I think that in reality, people need to be patient and people need to to wait for a bill that's actually good for everybody and is free for everybody, not just consumers. Yeah, I I I did a podcast with uh, a gentleman named uh, Bryce Keller, who is a lawyer and he's a political consultant for Responsible Ohio. And I, I did it at this uh, Green Fight meeting and I went in with uh, the the very same uh, attitude that you have about it. And I walked away from from that conversation, and it took me it took me a little while to really mull over some of the things that they were saying, and uh, some of the things I still don't understand in the language of the of the bill. And I do think that putting the language in for the ten investors for the first four years is a bit shady. But I also I look at it from from this standpoint that if you know, those 10 investors uh, were able to get their money back for the first four years. And then after that, it pretty much opens up to anybody that can afford the fees to o- open up a business. And the argument that people have is, you know, cannabis is not lettuce. It, 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 it has, um, uh, it affects the brain. It, 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 you know, it's an intoxicant and that, you can have up to 1,100 businesses opening up uh, different shops, different people are going to be able to make money through um, being electricians and plumbers and people that are playing a part in opening these businesses. And that the 10 facilities that they have, they're regulated to have a certain quality. And that if one of those farms doesn't live up to the quality, that they get booted out. Um, and you can grow up to four uh, plants, flowering plants, and have as many uh, non-flowering plants as you want um, on your on your property. And you can have up to um, eight ounces of personal use cannabis. And a lot of that, from from the language I hear, is it's pretty much this like some of the stuff for Ohio is going to be similar to Oregon, but I. I'm kind of on the on the fence of it all because I see both sides. And I do think that anybody should who should be able to open up a business should be able to open up a farm. If you have farmland, you should be able to grow uh you should be able to grow weed. And they don't have hemp in the language of the bill. Um I think because it's a it's a whole different other ball game when you're talking about industrial hemp. Well, that's still ridiculous, though. Like, industrial hemp is the thing that's actually, like, needed. Like, industrial hemp is, it's like the only annual plant that really gives to the soil, not just takes away from it. 
So I, I think it's, um, I mean, it, it does a lot. Like, it does a lot for the environment. It does a lot for that. And I think the fact that it's not included is also something that's against it. And I think that, you know, oh, okay, in four years, you can pay this outrageous fee of $100,000 and then you can grow. I mean, that's still not acceptable. I mean, I think, like, look, if you want to get a license, that's fine. But, you know, you can be an organic farmer for $3,000, which I think is still ridiculous. Like, I have to pay... $3,000 to the food police just so I can say that the vegetables that I'm growing in my backyard that are grown better than most standards of organic are pretty much beyond organic to just say it's organic. Otherwise, I can, you know, I'm, I'm not legally organic. And it, it gets back into like the magical terms of legality. And it's and it, so I, I, I understand that, you know, in four years you can. But I mean, why? Why wait? I mean, there's, there's a bill that's already going in saying that it's a monopoly. There's a reason why the monopoly, no monopoly could be amended to the Constitution, was created. Um, and that bill's on there. I mean, I, I think that, which we didn't talk about. So for anybody that's not in Ohio, to combat this bill, somebody else put in something that said that Ohio's not allowed to have monopolies. Yeah, the the, uh, the state house did. The uh, the. Ohio itself uh, put it, put in that bill. They they want to prevent. Um, and, and I'm not quite sure. I'm not educated on the on the subject of this bill quite yet. Um, but from what I understand, it like if somebody wants to create a bill, that it's it's going to be hard to create uh, a bill after after this thing passes. And that the way that they worded it um, is going to confuse people. And, you know that that's definitely i don't know man i think it's going to be an interesting uh thing coming up here in november because i, I do understand that that i just wish that those investors would have realized <coughs> the backlash you know like they could have if they would have included language for hemp for uh if you allowed anybody any farmer to grow hemp you know and these days Regulations suck, but I understand like corporations will do some shady shit if there's no regulations behind, like watching how, uh, like how mass food is created. Um, well, well, my opinion is that I, regulations were originally created to protect the interests of the consumer, but now they're created to protect protect the interests of corporations. I mean, like. Yeah, regulations are, are just such a joke now because it's more about basically I have this much money. So, I mean, like, okay, so the biggest regulations are the biggest thing that the, the cab union and union are trying to use to shut down Uber yeah, or to, to compete with Uber. So, I mean, it's, it's just basically using the government and trying to make, I mean, that's what lobbyists do. So companies have lobbyists or industries have lobbyists. And then the lobbyists go and they get in the ear of politicians. They try to get them to, to put through these laws that the company's lawyers have actually written to, 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 to go into effect, to go into favor of the businesses or the corporations. So I, I think the, the idea behind where regulations came from was noble. But just like anything else in government, man, it, it quickly gets corrupted to the people that have the most money. It does, dude. It does. Like I, I, I see both sides on a lot of the issues that are out there, and you feel so helpless 
at times that you feel like there's there's nothing you can do about uh, some some of this stuff. You know what I mean? But I, I definitely absolutely. Re- I definitely yeah, respect. Yeah, I definitely respect uh, your opinion on um, on the whole responsible Ohio thing. And I think it's something that if anybody, whether you're going to vote against it or vote for it, just go look at the language of the bill. Just go look at like what you believe and just vote. I guess vote with your heart if you're going to vote for it. Um, this is this is going to be uh, pretty interesting because Ohio is one of those swing states that if it becomes legal, it kind of makes, puts it on a national level where instead of mocking it when Obama's asked a question about it, that they really have to take a look at why it's still Schedule 1. Why, why is it still treated as an addicting drug like, like all these other drugs like heroin or cocaine, which are scheduled, I think they're, those are scheduled too, but you have drugs like psilocybin mushrooms that don't kill anybody. They're schedule one. Cannabis is schedule one. And I think that we as a society really need to take a look at why things are the way that they are when it comes to these, these substances being illegal. Like why are they illegal? Why, why don't we have the option to use them when there's no overdose death, overdose deaths. So many people in these different communities are already using and you're seeing with Colorado, with Oregon, you're you're seeing that uh, a lot of money can be made, a lot of a lot of businesses can be opened, and I really think that you know don't don't just believe what people say. Don't just say my grandma told me or my uncle told me. Go read it yourself. Don't like educate yourself. If you're going to vote for this bill, no matter what you're going to vote, yes or no, go educate yourself. And I. I, that's all that's what i can support i can tell people just you know vote with your heart and go read the bill educate yourself but i, I do i do i'm gonna tell people to vote no <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel you dude and it's so like it's so hard to look at this and and i see the flaws but i also see i also see the benefits and I, i'm you know i'm i've definitely leaned more left on a lot of a lot of issues and I'm not as against the government as as you are but I'm also not as like I haven't looked into a lot of the information that you've looked into and I'm I'm kind of scared to at certain times because it's like the more information you give yourself you know your opinion is going to change about something because when you become educated on it you can't ignore that information if you're a logical person that's why I left religion I started looking yeah. at things critically and I'm like you know, your life changes when you really open your eyes to uh, educate yourself on something. If you really start becoming passionate about something and becoming educated about it, you, you really feel compelled to change things. That's why it's so easy for people to just turn on reality TV and watch the news and let the let the world make your decisions for you instead of actually seeking the information. Sometimes it's easier to s- stick your head in the sand and just let the world pass you by. Yeah, it is. But I think, you know, you need to definitely educate yourself on things that are going to directly affect you. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, whenever people talk about abortion or anything like that in politics, it's just we're we're building a fence around the country. It's just silly. Like, it's not that doesn't really affect that many people. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to say vote no, but definitely make your own educated decision. I'm going to vote no. I'm going so I, I 
because I, I to me I, I think that look it's easy to to just because I don't I don't think that bill's good enough man I, I think Ohio deserves better I mean just like you said we're a swing state I mean in, in reality it's like we're the we're the heart of in some ways we're the heart of the U.S. and um and I think that you know I mean Columbus Ohio is the number one test market for fashion and food. The only two places where if something doesn't do well in Columbus, um, you, you're if it, it the only two places in this in the country that you can't compare Columbus's market to and bet on if something does well in Columbus, it will do well somewhere else is uh, New York City and L.A. So, you know, man, I think um, I don't know. I, I think I, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. So I, I think that. You know, being from Ohio, living in Columbus, I think that we deserve better. And I think that Ohioans, this is something that can really help Ohioans, especially people that need to stop thinking about we need these jobs or, you know, we need these companies to take care of us. I think this is a great way and a vehicle for people to be able to take care of themselves. And um, you look at all the new millionaires and everything like that that have been created in Colorado. And that's because that their legislation was written in the way that allowed people like me and you to just go out there and start our own business. Yeah. And like, look, you could still have a regulatory thing. I mean, here's the thing, like bud shops, dispensaries, they don't want to buy poop stuff. They don't want to have a poopy product. It's just like me taking my vegetables to a grocery store. Do you think my, my grocery store stuff looks like shit? They're going to want to sell it. Absolutely not. So I, I think that you know, I, I think that that stuff will, will be taken care of. You don't need some big-ass regulatory body to do that. And look, there's still going to be corruption. There's still going to be scumbags that try to, to sell you crap. I mean, that's all, but that's in everywhere. That's everywhere. Government doesn't stop that. What stops that is the consumer saying, voting with their dollar, and probably you're taking it to the media and say, look what this shitty business is doing. And then the media shows it to everybody else. That's what the media was supposed to be for, not not like shining lights on whatever celebrities having sex with whatever celebrity or Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn Jenner and all this other nonsense. Like who the fuck cares? That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. I mean, good for, good for Caitlyn Jenner. Like, I'm not like trying to say like, you know, I'm an anti whatever. I'm just saying that it, it doesn't really fucking matter. Like it doesn't affect me in my everyday life, but this does, this can, this can change this can change the lives of thousands, well, millions of people in the state of Ohio. And I think that, you know, I think, look, Responsible Ohio will too. Responsible Ohio will get people out of jail. It, it, it would bring on a lot of good. But the limitations of how much good it can bring on are, are too much for me. There's too much limitation. There's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough legalese in that bill for somebody like me who wants to get with my friends and form like Voltron and, and create a legitimate business. So I, I think, I, I think that's, that's my biggest beef with it. And that's why I I'm going to vote no. And I'm going to keep sharing stuff on Facebook that encourages people to vote no, because that's what I'm doing. And, and I'm, I'm going to talk right and walk right. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> now, now if let's say if it passes and you're, you're a, you're a person who, you know, you're you want to start your own business could you see yourself opening up you still can no yeah but could could you see yourself opening up a shop if if this goes through i mean i i'd imagine myself getting involved some way in in the business end of it i think it it would be 
honestly, if it does go, I think both. I think both are probably going to pass. I think both uh, the monopoly thing and the responsible how thing are both going to pass. I think that's you know not, there's going to be this weird period in between for a year where there's not. I don't know what's going to happen. So maybe it's going to be it is going to become legal in the state of Ohio, but responsible house bill isn't necessarily um, taking into effect. So I don't know. I, I think it could be really exciting. I mean, either way, it is going to be exciting. So, you know, I, I definitely would see myself um, doing that. I just wouldn't be happy about it. I mean, it's Absolutely. just kind of like, you know, what's what's better for me yeah. and everybody else like me? I, I think that's 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 kind of the look. I mean, look, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not. I don't. I mean, everybody should vote for what benefits them the most. But I think, bigger picture wise, I think this benefits everybody the most. If you if you vote, if you wait for the the bill in 2016, looks way better. Yeah. Um, well, well, that the, the other part I was going to say was uh, they were talking about that the Bryce and the people at the Green Fight meeting were saying get this passed, and then the language in the 2016 bill, I think it's OTEP or something like that. Uh, it I forget what the what the what that bill is, but um, they're saying get behind that, and then that changes responsible Ohio's uh, constitutional wording. After that one, goes I don't through. think it. I don't think it could. You can't just amend a constitution like that. I mean, you know, I, they, he might know more than me because I mean that's very possible. But I don't see it. I just don't see it playing out that way, man. It seems like a snake oil salesman pitch, like, oh, vote this in now, and then we'll fix it later. Like, I think that's an awful idea, man. I mean, build this house this way right now, and then build the house again later. I mean, that's to me, is what that's saying. Like, let's build it just right now, and then let's do a whole bunch of work to fix it later when we could just build it correctly one time. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. that's the way I'm looking at it. No man, I, I, mean, I, I that, and that's why I, that's why I was excited about having this conversation with you because I know that, um, you know, like I know you're you're educated on on the subject that you're passionate about uh, about it, and I think that you know people shouldn't look at it from just one side. You should look at it from other sides. And I had the green fight people on, uh, and and they were pretty much supporting it. And I I wanted another side of it, so. I'm so glad that I had you on to, to talk about it. And I think that we should like, whenever, whatever happens in November, we should podcast again and, and kind of go over and, yeah. and talk about oh, it. We definitely will. Yeah. I mean, we definitely will. It, it, there's a lot that could happen, man. I mean, there's, there's a lot of crazy shit going on. Like they're, they're taking it to the Supreme court because like, Basically, in my opinion, what happened with Responsible Ohio and why there's this anti-monopoly bill is that they cut somebody out in Ohio that wanted to get paid on it and they're not getting paid on it. I don't think it has anything to do with giving a shit about rights of Ohioans, right. why the monopoly bill is on there. I just I just don't think it is. It's not about that to them. It's more about you didn't get you didn't pay me. I mean, because it's to me, there's always corruption. There's yeah. always yeah. corruption in our government because. Like who the fuck wants to be a politician, really? Like what the fuck do you do? You 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 put magic spells together, and then it's like, well, we uh we waved our our wooden gavel, and now this is how it is. And I mean that's all it is. All it is is, is magic. So I think that you know I I guess like for me, I um I I just know I just man I know the way shit works sometimes. Yeah. At least I think I do. Yeah. And I I I think that somebody got cut out 
I think that there's this large interest of wanting to stop new new money going into the hands of people that haven't had money, which I think marijuana, like the legalization of cannabis will do. I mean, there's there's people that can that can just that it's an opportunity for everybody. It's a vehicle for a lot of people to get wealthy and to change their families financial lives forever. And yeah. I think, and that's to me is the most important thing as to why it needs to be free. Like, look, I get that. And like I said before, like responsible Ohio will do a lot of good for a lot of people, but it's not going to do enough good in my opinion. So, and, it, and I think that we should be, we should be smart and we should be patient. So, and I'm sorry, I keep going back to this, my reasons why I think this, um, but um, anyways, yeah, man, let's definitely record again. Yeah, man. Um, holy but, cow, man. We've, we've been going on for almost an hour and a half. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, dude. I, uh, well, go, go ahead and let people know where they can find you on, on my side for, for your website and social media and all that. Yeah, so if you go to the samplehour.com, I didn't buy the domain of samplehour.com, but the samplehour.com, all my... All my newer episodes are on there. You can still find my old archives. If you search in iTunes, just the sample hour, you'll find my old feed and my new RSS feed. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Drew Sample. So like the past sense of draw and then a free sample spelled just like that. You can also follow my podcast account, which is the sample hour. Um, please, 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 if you're in Ohio, go and pre-order your tickets to see Dean Del Rey. At the Woodlands, I would recommend going to both shows because Dean will probably do two different sets. Um, and then also, if you're in Pittsburgh for the 19th, go and buy pre-order your tickets for the Arcade Theater, um, Arcade Comedy Theater. This Thursday, Miss Pat is going to be live at the Underground. So go to highontrees.com. There's a link for the brown paper tickets. Um, pre-order your tickets while you still can. Not a big room, and I'm sure it will sell out. So get your tickets now. Don't sleep on it like uh, we did with Tom Segura. And uh, so that's that's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, like, uh, please write a review for my podcast. That would be great. And if you like my opinions and you like listening to me, share share my podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, share Izzy's because Izzy's podcast is better than mine. Um, oh, shut the up. man. <laughs> Comparison is the thief of joy, man. It is the thief of joy. All right, guys, Seriously. you guys can go follow me on social media at the Izzy Rock and go to theizzyrock.com, even though I don't update it uh, hardly ever. Uh, the, all the information, there's tons of pictures from from past meetups that we've had, from uh, different comedy shows. You'll see us with different people from our other podcasts, Keith Spurlock from the Inspired Disorder podcast and... Uh, by the way, you guys should go support the Inspired Disorder podcast. They are trying to build a podcast. They're moving to Denver, uh, Ray and Keith, and you should go give them a listen. They started a Patreon account so you can get like extra content if you go support them and donate a dollar, five dollars, whatever you can support our friends who uh, kind of brought a podcast network together with the Inspired Disorder Collective and a lot of great podcasters who were on there. And it's all about supporting one another. Go support the Inspired Disorder podcast. Those guys are uh, in transition, so the audio on some of the podcasts currently isn't up to par, but it will be. And so please support those guys. And 
that'll give me a place to go and crash out in Denver now. And by the way, yeah. I will say this, just to put it out there in, in, in audio form. I hope to have a business in the Dayton, Ohio area called Izzy's Homegrown or something like that, uh, where I can have a podcast studio plus uh, dispense cannabis products or or paraphernalia or anything like that. Like that's I've always been passionate about cannabis since the early nineties when I realized that I had been lied to after I read the emperor wears no clothes by Jack Hare. And then now that I see the momentum, you see the documentaries that have come out and pretty much the internet age has exposed all these lies and all these things of why it became illegal. So for me, it's going to be a very passionate thing, and it's something that I hope helps change my my family, and it's something where I can leave the job I've been at 20 years and you know work in a place that I really enjoy and I, I support what it's about. So if, if that comes about, we'll definitely do a podcast about that. For sure, man. That would be great. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Support Izzy's podcast, support my podcast, support Inspired Disorder. Uh, also, we are Fizz Buddies, so go to yes. fizzbutton.net. Yes. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, uh, I do a little segment on Wednesdays for the Rock Request show for Bad Andy called Izzy's Homegrown, where I feature two artists from Dayton or from the Southwest Ohio area. And, um, in fact, the end of this episode for Tell Us From The Hard Side will feature that segment. So you guys go check those bands out and go give them some love and go check out my podcast, Tales from the Hard Side, On the Block with Scott Epic, and if you, for Dayton-centric, the Gym City Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. From my garden, brother. Homegrown. Thank you very much. Speaking of homegrown. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Izzy's Homegrown, featured on At the End of Tales from the Hard Side, and featured on FizzButton.net on the Rock Request Wednesday show. Bad Andy contacted me a while back and asked me if I wanted to submit some music, and it turned into this thing called Izzy's Homegrown, because I wanted to feature some local bands from Dayton, Ohio, and I wanted to just showcase them. For one, I was already playing some music on my podcast from Dayton, Ohio. But I also wanted to just concentrate and put it at the end of the podcast. So it's kind of its own segment. So now, this is Izzy's Homegrown. This week, I got a couple bands that I have talked to recently through the Gym City podcast. We recently covered a festival called the Miami Valley Music Fest based outside of Dayton, Ohio, in Troy, Ohio. And we covered the festival one weekend uh, in late July, early August 2015. And I came across a band called Glow Stick Willie. I will spell that for you. 
It's G-L-O-S-T-I-K. And then Willie is W-I-L-L-Y. Glow Stick Willie is the life support for the rock and roll you thought was dead. The band formed in early 2008 and since then has grown to be a driving force in today's scene, bridging the gap between rock and jam and forming their own genre of music that can only be described as hippie metal. Glow Stick Willie has done 500 plus performances in more than 17 states and counting. The band has hosted seven music festivals, May Days, Stick Night, Twig Night, and Willie Fest and performed at over 35 festivals. Glow Stick Willie brings an energy like no other band during their live performances that gets crowds moving and grooving all night long. Currently, the band is working on a new album that will feature the band's most recent musical workings while releasing a series of live albums. Glow Stick Willie continues to thrive on the road, spreading their love for music to anyone with an open ear. If this group of in-your-face hippie metal addicts happen to stop by a city near you, be sure not to miss this amazing musical spectacle that the world knows as Glow Stick Willie. Please go to glowstickwillie.com for more information. They have quite a few shows in and around the Ohio area. I'm actually not sure where they're from, but they were a group of three individuals who were really cool guys. And I know that idea of jam band for a lot of people a lot of people don't like that term don't like jam bands a lot of people don't like the term hippie they don't want to be associated with an idea of what that is it's all who cares who cares don't generalize if you get around people and they call themselves a hippie you might like that person or you might be annoyed by them either way glow stick willie were really cool dudes and they gave me their CD to play some of their music. I dug it. And I want to play a track for you called Propaganda Soldier from the 2015 album Glow Stick Willie.
The next band I have for you is a band called Dark Backward. Please go to darkbackward.com for more information. But Dark Backward originally formed in 2000 by core members Max Nye and Eric Pirtle. Dayton, Ohio's own Dark Backward began primarily as a studio-based art damage collective. However, 2008 saw the band morph into a more traditional live-based rock outfit while retaining its original Anything Goes ethos. Their general mission statement, as amorphous as the 1991 cult film after which they were named, Nye and Pirtle both labored in seminal Dayton New Wave act, Dementia Precox. Additionally, Pirtle up until recently worked the Midwest punk circuit with Luxury Pushers, notably with Mondelux and Colonel Bleep, respectively, among many others. Simply stated, Dark Backwards members combined rock years total is a staggering number. Guy Capo's 2005 skin feature, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, brought Dark Backward an AVN award. That's right, they won a porn award. The film also showcased Max in a substantial role. Expect the loudest from this band. <laughs> so this band was came on the Gym City podcast, and I had such a good time talking to these guys. These guys are pure rock and roll. From their album Phrase and Fable, released in 2013, I want to play the track Inappropriate Homage. So here it is. Dark Backward with Inappropriate Homage. Oh, 
I'm Justin. I'm Jody. From the bad parent. <laughs> this could be a while. All right. Hey, I'm Justin. I'm Jody. No, that doesn't work either. <laughs> now I know why nothing ever gets done in Hollywood. <laughs> hey, Jody. Yeah, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jody. Hi, Justin. Do you like guys with beards? Um, sometimes. Sometimes? What about bald heads? Most of the time. What if there are guys with beards and bald heads with just deep rivers of blue eyes that just say, I love you? I tend to marry them. <laughs> <laughs> now, what if they're just a genuinely good dude, too? Um, I just friend them. Befriend them. Not befriend them. friend them. Not friend them. That sounds like a Facebook What about thing? be friendly with them? Not too friendly. Not too friendly? Oh. Well, the Izzy Rock meets those requirements. He's bearded. He's bald. He's got those deep rivers of bluey, bluey eyes. You mean he's got triple Bs? Yes, triple Bs. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a couple podcasts that he does. I knew that. Yeah. Tales from the Hard Side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the Block with his bestest friend ever, Scott Epic. Mm-hmm. And then he also produces the Gem City Podcast, which is a local, like, artsy-fartsy type podcast in the Dayton, Ohio area. So, Well, who knew? I know. I, I, basically, what I'm trying to say here is he's a good guy. You should go listen to him. Give him, a, give him a shout out. And if you like his stuff, you know what? Subscribe to him on iTunes. Also, you can leave him a comment. Rate, review, and subscribe, people. We'd appreciate it. And so would he. Yes, yes, he would. Oh, he's a, he's a dad, too. So the Bad Parenting Podcast loves the fact that he's a dad. So that helps out. Dads also, are great. Dads are great. Two cool sons. See, good dude. Reason good kids. We need more people like him. I agree. So yes, yes. Listen, listen to Izzy's shit. It's awesome. Agree again. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye. Red Moth LLC is a local company with a firm belief in community and the cooperative spirit, releasing both music and film in the Dayton, Ohio area, along with other national releases. Red Moth LLC is funded solely by the artists associated with the company, and with the support of local listeners like yourselves. You can find out more about us by going to www.redmothrecords.com. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at redmothllc, and you can find us at Twitter at redmoth underscore records. If you would like to donate to the cause and help support a local company, go to www.gofundme.com slash redmothllc and join the Red Moth Survival Initiative.